Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. So, all right, if you got your Bibles this morning... <clears throat> Uh, We're going to read from several passages today. Uh, I'm in a series, if you're new here, it's called Say What? And I'm in the fourth part of this. In this series, the Bible talks a lot about our words, our speech, our heart, our walk with God in relation to our witness, our lifestyle, and our testimony. What, What do we say? How do we say it? What are negative ways that our words can be used? What are positive ways that our words can be used? And when you look through all the scripture, it is quite extensive and it is peppered throughout the Bible talking about our, uh, talking about our speech and what we say. And I'll just give you a sampling of that. Matthew 12, kind of my theme passage for this series. Jesus said, you brood of vipers, How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth is releasing what is in the heart. A good man, he says, brings out the good things stored up up in him. An evil man brings out evil things out of the evil that is stored up in him. But I tell you, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they are spoken. So, man, that's a, a lot of teaching in just a few, you know, a few sentences there that it's our, our heart in conjunction with our mouth and, uh, and also that we will give an account one day for every word, uh, every word that we speak. James 3 talks about it. Again, it's in multiple locations. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. All right, sets the whole course. The tongue uh, can, can cause damage for the rest of your life. First Peter 3, whoever would love life and see good days must keep, must keep their tongue from evil and their lips for deceitful speech. I'm just showing you throughout the Bible, there is all kinds of talk about the importance of believers and it comes to our words and our speech. Psalms 134, I've been using this a lot. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep a watch over the door of my lips. All right, so our goal is not just to have a better fence. Our goal is to change the evil in our heart and we won't have to have such a good fence, such a, such a good, you know, such a good gate. Now, I'm just telling you, this topic is important. Some of you want to be used of God. You're like, man, why, you know, why has this door not open for me? And it might be because you can't keep your mouth closed, all right? You can't keep your mouth closed. And, and so God has not seen fit in your walk and your maturity with the Lord to open a door for you. Okay? So, or you may have already blown it with your mouth multiple times. I had a friend. He started at a brand new church. I called him. How 
was your first Sunday? He said, oh, man, it was great. He said, let me tell you what I told my congregation. I said, what's that? He said, I told them, folks, I have a little temper, okay? And I just need you to be a little more, you know, a little understanding and forgiving toward that. And I thought, what a stupid statement for your opening message, you know? I mean, are you serious? So what he's saying is, I need you to grow in the area of grace and forgiveness because I am a jerk, okay? So, now, he's not in the ministry now, okay? I want to say, sometimes you close doors because of your mouth. Sometimes doors won't open because the Lord doesn't need you blowing up an opportunity that he has set for you. So what we speak and how we speak is very important. It is foundational to our walk with God and being used of the Lord. So in previous weeks and previous series, if you're new, we've talked about angry, harsh, reckless words. <clears throat> we've talked about obscenity, profanity, blasphemy, sexually oriented conversation and jokes. I was shocked when I was reading Ephesians 5 for that message and even back then, he said, hey, no crude joking. And I thought, have dirty jokes been around for 2,000 years? I mean, are we serious? We talked about gossip and slander a couple weeks ago. We talked about also the impact of positive words, encouragement, affirmation, the role of worship. Uh, and then two weeks ago, we did declarations of faith and prophetic prayers. And if you missed the end of that service, when we started calling out those declarations of faith, it was a powerful moment here. You need to go back and watch that. So today, we're going to look at the impact of fighting and arguing. Fighting and arguing. Do you just know someone who cannot stop? They cannot put a period at the end of the sentence. James talks about this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? He says there's things that are down deep in your heart that are causing you to fight and argue. Second Timothy don't, 2 Timothy 2.23, don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. This is a rough sampling, but I'll just go, half of all arguments are foolish and stupid. Would you say amen? Would you agree with that? Okay. All right. So, when we fight and argue and have a contentious spirit, there's no win. There's no upside to this. You may feel like I've won the argument, but if we win the argument and lose the relationship, what have we accomplished? So there's no win to fighting and arguing and being contentious. Fights and argue, arguments result in yelling, screaming, reckless words that we talked about, prolonged or unending conflict, and usually little resolution of the problem. When tempers get inflamed and people start yelling and screaming at each other, then trying to find some kind of result or some kind of agreement to move forward is usually lost. It becomes very personal. It gets loud. It's harmful. That we, we don't know when to stop. 
We treat this like a war. <clears throat> we pause. We retreat. We reload. And then we re-engage. Have you or somebody else went, maybe after a day or so, you come back and go, oh, by the way, they're just reloading and they're ready to, ready to re-engage. This is important in life that we don't have a contentious spirit, a, a spirit of fighting and arguing at work with our friends, in places that we do business with, in just everyday life, we don't need to have a, have a fighting, contentious spirit. Now, I am a pretty even-keeled person, personality-wise, okay? But the place that I struggle the most is when I'm in the drive through with my family. It's like spiritual warfare all over me, okay? I just feel sadness when we drive in because I know what is about to happen. So you're four cars away and you go, hey, what do you guys want? We don't know. We want to see the menu. It's Chick-fil-A. You know the menu. There's no beef. There's no seafood option. It's just chicken. All right? I'll have the number seven with a Sprite. And you know how this goes. Some of you are identifying with me as well. And you repeat it. I will have the number seven with a Sprite. And then they repeat back. So you ordered the number seven with a Sprite. And I go, yes. Then from the back, they go, I want to change that to the number four with a Dr. Pepper. And I'm not feeling good in my heart. So I go, can I change that to a number four with a Dr. Pepper? Yes. So you're canceling the number seven and ordering the number four. Yes. What sauces? We don't want sauces. That's way too complicated. And then, then with the number four, they start, I'm going through something deep up here this morning. They start, you know, like, I want cheese on top of the chicken. I want my pickles on the bottom to the left side only. And that's just one order, okay? When I drive away, I just say the sinner's prayer and start all over with Jesus again. What I do. What I do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Do we need a small group out there? Yeah. We need some healing through the drive through. <laughs> uh, so, do we fight and argue or have dialogue and discussions? Do we fight and argue? If we fight and argue over dialogue and discussions, I'm going to tell you it escalates. It never heals and it never resolves. Fighting and arguing never heals and it never resolves anything, okay? But it gets worse. You fight more, you yell more, it gets louder. And I want to say something too. It causes violence. It causes domestic violence sometimes. You can look at TikTok, Reels, social media. You can see where things just explode with physical violence. So fighting and arguing can bring death. Dialogue and discussion can bring healing 
and communication. And I'm going to talk about that a little more at the end of my message. And I want to say this. There are too much, there's too much fighting and arguing in homes of faith. Too much fighting and arguing. Too much fighting in marriages. Too much contention between parents and kids. All right? Now, men, a few weeks ago, when we started the message, the New Testament called us out. Called us out by gender for reckless and harsh words. It said, don't be harsh with your wives, your, your families. Okay? Called us out. Women... Today, Proverbs is calling you out, all right? I'm going to just read the passages with no commentary. (laughs) There are many reasons why I'm not going to comment on it. A quarrelsome wife is like the constant dripping of a leaking roof. Proverbs 21, better to live on the corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 21, 19, better to live in the desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Proverbs 25, better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 27, a quarrelsome wife is like dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. And I'll just pause and let God's word sink into your heart. All right? So it refers multiple times, okay, to this. Now, let me, let me say this to men about this to start with. All right? Sometimes men ignore or don't respond to their wives, okay? They, don't, they ignore and don't respond to their wives. And ladies feel like they are not being heard or valued. I know what the men are going. I knew you would turn this on us. I knew. <laughs> now I'm coming back I'm coming back but I'm just going there are some times when you don't respond or even acknowledge that you've heard anything that this thing continues all right so if that's what you do I can't help you at all if you just ignore if you don't respond if you don't validate that moment that that you've heard so sometimes they feel like they've got to keep speaking so if if that part of being quarrelsome is because there's no response then we need to change how we handle that the proverbs that i just read to you are written by solomon the wisest man on earth he had 500 wives i don't think he's very wise And I'm also not shocked that on numerous occasions he's talking about the nagging wife. All right? So, ladies, ladies, all right. I saw this this graphic the other day. They're going to put it up on the screen. I love it. It says, pray for my husband. Nothing is wrong with him. He's just married to me, and I am a lot. I don't want any amens. (laughs) So ladies, I would just say to you, ladies, I would just say to you, there is a time to speak and there's a time to move on, okay? There's a time that you've said what you can say, and I hope that that brings some resolution, but also there's just a time to move on, you know, there's a time to move on from it, that it only gets worse from there, but you have to be the you have to make the judgment on that, but I'm just going, there, there's, there's a time just to stop and, 
and, and say, we'll, we'll figure this out another day, all right? Now, I want to say, too, when we talk about fighting and arguing, uh, not just, you know, not just in our homes, there's some, there's some of you, you can't stop. James says you're fighting and arguing because there's something down in your heart. There's like this contentious spirit, you know, like you've got to win, you've got to be on top, you got to pulverize the opponent. You got to win verbally, and your win verbally sometimes means you win the win the argument, but that that you also harm somebody else. Listen, some, sometimes it's internal. Sometimes there's just something in the heart of people that just make them fight. You know, make them fight, and they have a contentious spirit. Second Timothy. Uh, Uh, 2.24 says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone. We're not going to have a spirit of fighting and arguing. Look at this, Romans 12. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace, okay? If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace. Peace. You don't want to be in conflict and turmoil all the time. And I want to say, if that's you, it may not be the whole world against you. You may need to look in the mirror and ask God to do something, something in, in your heart. And at the, at the end of the message today, we're going to pray over that. We're going to ask God to kind of touch our hearts. So, All right, something else. The impact of negative words. Lies and half-truths. Lies and half truths. Now, I hate I have to talk about this because you think people would know. But we live in a world today where honesty, truthfulness, and do not lie, it's not enforced anymore. It's not talked about. A certain amount of this is acceptable. So people don't think anything today about lying and deceiving if they can get the upper hand and win from that particular lie. Okay? So, Let's just see what the Bible says. Ten commandments. What does the Ten Commandments say? Thou shalt not lie. Nope, you're wrong. Nope. <clears throat> you were close. Exodus 20, 16. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Okay? You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. So, what that means is, yes, truth and honesty is important. But he qualifies this, especially when it comes to kind of judicial proceedings. Okay, you know when you're when you're giving testimony against someone. So I mean, honesty is important, but especially here now. Now today, in our world today, if you're untruthful, you can be charged with perjury. Okay, if you go to a judicial proceeding and just lie, you can be charged with perjury. University of Michigan a couple years ago did a study. Nineteen hundred um, verdicts were overturned. Because people were dishonest on the stand. All right? Get that. 1,900 people went to jail or paid a civil fine because people lied. Okay? People in jail because of lies. Now, that's bad enough. What about the people in jail? And they never discovered the perjury. Okay? So, he starts off initially going, you should always tell the truth, but especially... In judicial, in judicial proceedings, Colossians 3 says, Do not lie to each other. Talking to believers. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. So he's going, that's not a part of the follower of Jesus. 
Telling lies. Here's what I'm talking about. Lying is making a statement that, every, that one knows is false with the intent to deceive, to cover up actions or avoid responsibility. Okay? Lying is making a statement to <clears throat> statement that one knows is false with the intent to deceive, to cover up actions or avoid responsibility. One person on the earth that you can't lie to outside of God, and that is your mother, right? Somehow your moms know, you ladies, it's not right. I would say to my mother, I would tell her something that was untruthful, and she would always pause for a moment and just kind of look at me. It was like God was going, psst, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Nope, nope. You can't lie. You can't lie to your mother. You can't lie. You can't get away. Lies, half-truths, telling partial truth in a way that misleads others, presents the facts in a less incriminating way, and takes the blame or some of the responsibility from you, telling half-truths. So men, you'll come home from the store, your wife, well, how much did you spend? I spent a couple hundred bucks. Wow. I didn't think it would cost that much. And you go, man, inflation, it's bad out there. You didn't tell her you stopped by Bass Pro. You know, you just, you just shared half of that. The results of lies and half-truths. And I want to say you lie and you think that you got away with it, but in actuality, in actuality you didn't because lies burden the soul and bother the conscience. Lies burden the soul and bother the conscience. You feel guilty. It has a psychological and spiritual toll on you. You you have anxiety, discomfort, because you know you are not being truthful. Okay? Lies will get you into deeper trouble, and you usually have to tell more lies to cover the original lie. They call it the web of lies. You start off going, I got away with that one. And then before long, you've got to create this whole, this whole web of lies. You think it got you out of trouble, but in actuality, it will, it will get you into more trouble. I want to say this too. Lying gets easier as your conscience gets weaker, Okay. You're going, hey, it doesn't bother me. I guess this is okay. That's because morally you are corrupting on the inside. All right? So lying gets easier when your conscience gets weaker. And you go from a person that told a lie to now people call you a liar. Your whole character is corrupt, and now, man, telling the truth, you just say, you know, untruthful things, and it doesn't, doesn't even bother you anymore. Believers, believers, he said, let, let lies, put them away, they're part of your old life. Believers, there's a greater honor to tell the truth than to lie and get away with it. There is a greater honor to tell the truth and pay the penalty. Pay the penalty, whatever that may be, with your <clears throat> reputation or relationships or legally. It's a greater honor to tell the truth than to lie and get away with it. It honors God, and it is the right thing to do. I tell the truth because it honors God, and it's the right thing to do. Young adults, young adults, I just want to tell you, always 
tell the truth. This is not, doesn't always come from your culture today. You be people of honor. You be people who are honest. You always tell the truth. On your time card, on your expense report, on your taxes, your schoolwork, your test, always tell the truth. When I was in college, no one ever came to me and said, I would love to copy off your paper. Now, I would like to think it's because of my Christian values, but it might have to do with my GPA as well. In school, always be honest. Always be honest and honorable, okay? Now, listen, is there ever a justification to lie? Is there ever a justification to lie? I think the Bible gives us a clear clear picture of this when it comes to Rahab. You know, they, the spies came in, Rahab, the spies came to Jericho, and Rahab helped the spies, you know, as they were looking over the land. And then, you know, the, the, uh, the, the officials of Jericho said, hey, have you seen these people? And she said, you know, she said, no, they're gone. They ate and then they left. I have no, no idea. You know, so maybe there's a principle like with life or death, you know, that there would be a, a justification. Okay, now people ask too, what would you say if Becky wore a dress that you did not like? Okay, now number one, that would not happen because I live with Vogue magazine over here. So that would not happen. But if that happened, I would say, Becky, when I see that dress on you, I am absolutely speechless. Okay, I do not have words. Okay at what I'm looking at, and to commemorate this moment, I'm going to give you my American Express, okay? For you to go to the store and buy something that would complement what you have, but it's a little different than what you have on, okay? I told you it's justifiable in situations of life and death, and that would be one for me, okay? All right. Kings take pleasure in honest lips, and they value no one, and they value the one who speaks what is right, okay? Those in authority appreciate honest, honesty and honest people, okay? Those employers, government officials, they, they appreciate that, okay? The impact of positive words, speaking the truth in love. The impact of positive words. I told you I'm going to come back with the balance of fighting and arguing. I'm going to give you the balance of this, Ephesians 4.15. Instead of all of the fighting and arguing, speaking the truth in love, we will grow and become in every respect the mature body of him uh, that is the head that is Christ. So now from fighting and arguing gives us a different principle that says speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4, later on in that passage, therefore each, each of you must put off falsehood or lies. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. So as believers, you know, we would rather live with the present tension and avoid any potential conflict. All right? We would rather live with present tension because sometimes we go, I just don't, I just don't like conflict, so I would just rather live the way that I am living. And I'm just telling you, that is not what the Bible says. Biblically-based dialogue and discussion can stop or stem fighting and arguing, okay? If we do it right, <clears throat> there is a way to handle this instead of ignoring or just letting this 
blow up. So there are times in our lives as believers that we realize that this situation is not getting any better. All right? Sometimes we wait too long to have honest and difficult discussions. I want to say that to believers who try to do what Romans 12 is, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of endure this kind of things. But I want to say, as somebody who's been in the ministry, kind of watched this a long time, I think believers pray and wait too long. They pray and wait too long. They hope that there's going to be a resolution. They're trying to live at peace, if at all possible, as the passage, the passage says. But there, there's a time, there's a time when, when that, that season is done, and now we need to have honest conversations. We don't want to fight. Uh, we don't like conflict, so we ignore it. And I just want to remind you, what you know, ignore today blows up tomorrow. All right, so there are times that you're unsettled in your heart and it's time for a conversation. If you can't get over this, you can't deal with this, it is time for a conversation. And I want to say, this is very biblical. You're not being contentious. You're not, you know, you're, you're not fighting and arguing. You are trying to find a biblical resolution to the issue. So, so you are going with, with the New Testament the New Testament at your back. So here's my suggestion. When you have this conversation, okay, ask for a time to meet and tell them generally why you would like to meet, okay? Sometimes these conversations, timing is very important. Catching people, you know, at the right time. So you would go, listen, I have something on my heart that I would really would like to talk to you. Is there a, is there a time that works for you? I've just got some things I, I just want to, I want, to, I want to share with you, okay? So I, I think maybe giving a little forewarning I think is important. Then that person hopefully can be in the right frame of mind uh, when, when they talk to you. I also want to say, if someone comes to you and says, look, I've got some things in my heart and I would like to talk to you, we should not blow up. We should go, okay, all right, um, let's, let's work out a time. If someone is trying to biblically reconcile to you, it's not a time for arrogance or haughtiness or some kind of smart comment. It's kind of a moment to take a deep breath and go, this person has come to me uh, to work something out, and I'm going to do my best to hear them out, and let's, let's see what is going on, okay? So this is very biblical as well. I want to make a suggestion to you. Write out what you want to say. Write it out or bullet Bullet it out. This will help you remember what needs to be said as well provide focus, clarity, and tone. Okay? Write it out fully or bullet it out because there are times that you get a little nervous in these conversations or they respond back and it kind of gets you off where you were going. So we're trying to bring reconciliation. Just a suggestion. You do whatever you, do whatever, whatever you want. Uh, as well. We don't want to stray from the topic. We don't want to get a little sharp in our tone. So sometimes that is good. Or I would say as well, a well-worded email I think could work as well. If you feel like there are emotions that could, that could get involved. But <clears throat> I want to go back to the passage. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. The Bible never tells us to avoid conflict 
but to reconcile, to speak, to try to work it out. Communication is always better than silence, especially when it's done with love and healing. He said, speak the truth, but do it in love. Do it in love. And then the potential is reconciliation. The relationship can be healed or you might go, well, we don't agree on the facts, but we're going to move forward with Christian respect and love and understanding, or they may not want to meet you, and that's fine. And then you've got to go to another part of grace where you just move on, you know, you just move on with your life. But I want to tell you, regardless of the results, you've done the right thing. You have done the right thing. Speak the truth and speak it in love. All right, last thing, and then we're going to close. Impact of positive words. The apology. Saying, I am sorry. The apology. Saying, I am sorry. What, what if you've hurt someone out there with your words? What if there's something you've done or you've said and you've hurt someone? Is someone hurting or struggling because of something you have said or done to them, all right? Is there something that's laying out there? And I want to say, as a believer, this should bother us. This should bother us, okay? Now, listen, God may have forgiven you over the offense, but you still have some work to do if you've caused pain in somebody else's life, okay? You may have prayed over it. Okay, I've asked forgiveness. I know what I was wrong, but the Scripture says, don't leave it there, Matthew 5, 23, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember a brother or sister that has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go be reconciled to them and then come offer your gift. All right? So just praying the prayer of forgiveness, that's a, a, a good start, but that's not where we end. Listen to me. We believe when we pray the prayer of forgiveness that God gives us a second chapter. We have a new life. We can move on from all that is all of our past and forgive and everything is forgiven. And I go, yes, but not if you've hurt someone. There's still work to be done. He said, this is Jesus, if you are in church and you are singing, you are worshiping, you've come to give an offering and you realize either through the Holy Spirit or your own kind of thinking, there is someone out there that is hurt and upset because of something you've done. He said, stop praying. Stop singing. Leave your offering right where you brought it. Must have been a very honest society back then, okay? Leave it there. Then he says, go. Leave what you're doing in the middle of the service. Go to someone in the church, if it's here or if it's outside the church. You leave what you're doing. You go and be reconciled to them. Then you come back, offer your gift, continue your worship, and continue your prayer. Hey, that's, that's strong. I want to tell you. I want to tell you. That's how he's viewing offense here. Stop singing. Stop praying. Don't give your offering. Go be reconciled first. Set things in order right. Then come back and take up your biblical order. Those are that is a powerful statement from that is a powerful statement from Jesus. So I say 
Don't just pray for healing and reconciliation in a relationship. Get up and do it. Worship team, you guys, you guys can come, all right? Let the words of your apology be sincere. The words, tone, and heart, okay? The worse the offense, the more contrite the apology needs to be. So if there's something serious, <clears throat> you know, if you go, hey, I'm sorry about that old thing. That was, that, that, was, that was bad, wasn't it? That's not what I'm talking about. It's very, very general. However you choose to phrase it or approach the situation, the words, I'm sorry for what I've done, please forgive me, should be in that apology. There should be a sense of clarity. Sometimes we can talk ourselves around flowery words, but I'm just going, I am sorry for what I have done. Please forgive me. There should be some clarity in what you're, in what you're saying. <clears throat> Depending on the situation, people may be away from God because of my Christian faith and the offense that I caused. People talk about church hurt <clears throat> today. I think there might be some things that are true about that. There might be people away from the Lord because they know I'm a believer and I did something, I did something that believers shouldn't do. All right? So the best thing that I can do is own the moment and just go back and go, hey, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. I did not handle this correct. And I want you to know I'm sorry for what I've done. And I'm going to ask you to forgive me, okay? I'm, going to, I'm sorry, and I'm going to ask you to forgive me, all right? So I'm going. Just say to you, is there something that's kind of lingering in your heart? Is there some unfinished task out there, some, some relationships? Maybe you've kind of moved on, but there might be some things you need to clean up. Might need some things that you need to re, that readdress, to readdress, Marshall Goldsmith says, I love the quote, apologizing is one of the most powerful gestures in the human arsenal. The apology says, I hurt you and I'm sorry about it. Okay? It shows value to this person. All right? We're not just trying to cleanse our own conscience and feel better about ourselves. We realize there's somebody out there that's hurt. Okay? In the image of God. And I show value in that person, and I'm, I'm going to go the best that I can. I'm going to go clean this up. I'm going to go, I'm going to go make this right the best that I can. All right? All right? So, maybe you've been here today. Maybe you've been here a few weeks. Maybe God's dealing with your heart. <clears throat> maybe you or new to church, maybe you've come back to faith, you know, those kind of things. Now, part of this message was dealing with, you know, our relationships with each other. But I want to say, too, there's a part of this as well when we talk about saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me, that goes to the Lord as well, okay? So maybe you've got some things in your past against God that you're not comfortable with. Maybe you've hurt other people, maybe, you know, you're just going, why, why am I in church? Why am I having these thoughts about, you know, thoughts about God? Well, you know what? Uh, he's trying to reconcile with you. 
maybe the Holy Spirit, you know, like, why am I having these thoughts while I'm in church? You know, because I said, hey, there might be a time that somebody comes to you and you need to be open to that moment. And I'm just saying to some of you this morning, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're away from the Lord and you're just, you're having these God thoughts. Maybe in worship this morning, you just felt a little uncomfortable. That is the Holy Spirit coming to you and saying, hey, I know that there have been some issues, but I love you. And I want to have a relationship with you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. While we were in our sin. And the Holy Spirit is reaching out to you this morning. And there's a prayer that they're going to put on the screen today that I want us to pray together that says, Father, I know that I've broken your laws and my sins have separated me from you. Remember the sentence? I'm truly sorry and I want to turn from my sinful past Please forgive me because I'm sorry and forgiveness are a part of every kind of reconciliation of the relationship, okay? You don't, you don't have to know a lot about the Bible. You don't have to be a scholar. You just got to realize, man, there's some things in my life that I am not happy about, some things that I've done or whatever. But Lord, I, I, I want to make things right with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. If you're here in this place today, and maybe you're not where you should be with the Lord, maybe you're kind of a prodigal that has come back, maybe you've kind of drifted, maybe you feel a little cold, you know, in your relationship with God, maybe you're just kind of new, and maybe I've never followed Jesus, you know, Today's the day, and it's very simple. The Lord's coming to you going, hey, hey, I want a relationship with you. I want to I want to get this right. And today your response is that prayer, hey, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. If you're here today, and man, you just, you, you've, maybe you've prayed that prayer. You'd like to pray that prayer, not where you should be with the Lord. I'm, I'm going to pray over you this morning. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. But would you do something for me really quick? Would you just raise your hand up and down and just say, Pastor, I'm just not really where I should be with the Lord. Would you pray for me this morning? Would you just raise your hand up and down really quick across the congregation and just, and just hey, I'm not where I, I should be. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So they've got this prayer up on this on the screen. And I want us to all maybe just kind of pray this together. Then we're going to pray over a couple other things this morning. But the reconciliation of friends and family are important. But reconciliation with God is the most important thing. It's the most important thing. So let's let's just pray this prayer together. Father, I know that I've broken your laws and my sins have separated me from you. I'm truly sorry, and I want to turn from my sinful past towards you. Please forgive me. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins and was resurrected from the dead, is alive, and hears my prayers. I invite Jesus to become the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That's it. That's it. If there was sin, it's gone. If there was issues with you and God, it's, it's gone. You feel shame, guilt, 
you know, that it's all it's all gone this morning. Okay, I'm going to give you some more instructions at the end. But would you stand with me this morning? Brent, just lead us in a song of worship. I want to pray over a few of these points this morning, and then we're, we're, we're going to dismiss. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I pray this morning just over some of the things that the word has plowed up this morning so lord if there are people here lord that have a contentious spirit fighting and arguing <clears throat> lord the book of james says there's something deep in their heart and lord and if that's you i want you to call out to the lord this morning if that's you so just say lord i i need help there's something in my heart 
Something needs to be settled. And Lord, I pray, I pray that today the Holy Spirit is just revealing just a contentious spirit, fighting and arguing. Maybe you don't even mean to, to be that way all the time. But Lord, I pray, I pray for the healing touch of the Holy Spirit. I pray, I pray we are not going to default to anger and harsh words and unending and protracted arguments. God, I pray, I pray for that. I pray. Bring healing, bring revelation to that individual, Lord. We pray. You don't want us fighting and arguing. I pray the sweet presence of Jesus, Lord, would, would move in a heart and a life this morning. I pray over that. I pray for those, Lord, who just, they don't, they don't tell the truth. They lie. Lord, they probably, probably do this way too much or they shave the truth. Lord, I pray. I pray that you'll deal with that person. I pray, God, they're going to do their best, Lord, to be honest, even when it costs them something. Lord, to uh, not, not to shade the truth for temporary benefit. Lord, I pray over that. Lord, you want us to be honest. Sometimes it's not just a thing of the, the head, Lord. It is an issue of the heart. And God, we pray that we would do that. I pray for those that need to have uh, those that need to have truth in speaking the truth in love conversations, I pray for courage. I pray for courage. Lord, there are some that are mired in conflict. Lord, they've, and they've just never spoken. But Lord, I pray you're going to give the, the right courage to them. And Lord, I believe and hope that there can be a reconciliation. Lord, I pray over that. I pray over that. And I pray too that we would have a right spirit if someone approaches us. Lord, I pray we'd have a right spirit if someone approaches us to have have one of those meetings, all right? So I want to pray also, if you're here today and maybe you realize, maybe you've hurt someone, you've said something, you've done something, there's something unsettled, I want to pray over that. So Lord, I pray, I pray, and Lord, it's your word reveals this to us that even as believers, <clears throat> sometimes with our actions or our mouths, Lord, we hurt and we offend others. And it was so important, Lord, you told us to stop what you're doing in church and get that reconciled. So, Lord, I pray that there's going to be courage. Lord, if we need to reconcile something, clean it up. I pray for boldness. I pray that we would do the right thing. And, God, I think you will honor that. We don't want relationships fractured <clears throat> and, and in pain. Lord, you want these things healed. You want these things healed. So I pray, I pray if they're going to have the courage to have these conversations, Lord, there's going to be a grace on the other end and relationships can be healed and restored. Lord, I pray over that today. I pray over that today. Lord, it is part of our growth in Christ. And we give you thanks this morning. Your goodness is following me. Come on, let's sing that again and we'll close. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.